You are listening to Why a Missionary by Sean Myers, a series that seeks to challenge young Christians to consider full-time missions. Today's topic of discussion is going to be three kinds of Bibles, but before I get into that, I just wanted to mention one quick thing. Up to this point, if you've been listening, you have probably noticed that the, sh- the segments of this podcast have been very short and concise, point-to-point style. Um, the reason for that is because um, the podcast clips are, in fact, audio conversions of the videos that I have been making um, and putting on YouTube and Facebook. And so I haven't really been making this podcast anything different than what I've been saying in the other videos, but my intention now is to kind of switch that up a little bit. And before I go and actually make the video, I want to make the podcast segments because it gives me a little bit more freedom to say, you know, a little extra, or if something comes to my mind that I would like to discuss in addition to what's being said, that's gonna do a couple things. Number one, it's gonna make the segments a little bit longer Um, And so if you are a dedicated listener up to this point and you're like, oh, no, I don't want these to be any longer than they have been. I'm not going to listen to any more. Then seriously, let me know and I will probably fix that. Um, The other thing it's going to do is going to make the podcast clips a little bit more conversational in style as far as how I'm going to be talking before it's point to point, concise Um, because they are, in fact, like I said before, just the audio versions of the videos. But with this going forward, I want it to be more conversational style because that's what podcasts are. I've been listening to a few recently, and it's more enjoyable for me to hear people talk about their subject matters in a conversational style because it engages the listener a little bit more. So with that in mind, let's get into our topic for today. Three kinds of Bibles. There are three distinct categories of Bibles in the world right now, but what do they have to do with being a missionary? We talked in the last segment about how God reveals himself to every person in the world. Even the most remote tribesman knows that there is a God and chooses to reject him. Uh, This is generally termed as general revelation. General revelation is something you learn about in Bible college. It's one of those fancy terms but it actually is a very good way of describing what the tribesman encounters when he is by himself in the jungle, out in the bush, whatever. And he may be, it may come to him in stages. It may come to him in one kind of epiphany moment when he realizes, hey, uh, I live in a beautiful world. I'm looking at the landscape. I'm looking at the animals. I'm looking at my people. And I realize that there's something greater out there. There's something beyond. Um, One thing that I wanted to do in the last segment that I forgot to put in was share a brief story that I heard from a veteran missionary when I was in Kenya uh, last year for a survey trip. I was having dinner with him. We were sitting across from each other at a table at a guest house in Nairobi, Kenya, and he shared a story that he had heard. So this story is from him, but he had heard the story from someone else about a tribesman out in the country of Ghana. This particular tribesman was involved in animism and the worship of evil spirits, and he came to this conclusion one day that what he had been worshiping, the idols, 
the spirits that he was trying to please, the witchcraft, the witch doctor, all of these different components that made up his religious life, I guess you could call it, uh, was false. And he came to that conclusion without anyone telling him that. He just, in his own mind, he realized it. And he looked up in the sky and he said, I know there is something or someone out there. And he called on God, is what he said later, to show him who God really was. God, who are you really? I want to know you. And later in that man's life, a missionary came in contact with him and led him to the Lord, and that man is a Christian today. And that is just one example of general revelation because God has placed the knowledge of himself in every person's heart. Every person has a conscience. Every person has the ability to look around creation and see there's someone who made this world. And that's the way that God has chosen to reveal himself in general. That's available to every person. But God has chosen to reveal his one and only way of salvation through something we call specific revelation, another Bible college term. That is the Bible. God reveals everything we need to know about himself through his words. Okay, so what do I mean that there are three kinds of Bibles? Well, the first category, category number one, is what I would call the original Bible. When God breathed his words of inspiration into text, he used men to write these words onto manuscripts. That's a word that describes ancient documents. Although very few of these original documents still exist in the world today, we actually have copies of the original words. I have with me a complete compilation of the copies of the original manuscripts as they were written thousands of years ago. The Old Testament was written primarily in Hebrew with a few passages in Aramaic, and the New Testament is recorded in Greek. And if you are a born-again believer who believes that God has preserved his word, it's really exciting to just stop and realize that not only do we have the Word of God in the English language for us to read and understand, but we actually have physical copies of the very original words as they are in the original language. You can purchase one of these copies through the Trinitarian Bible Society. They're the only uh, people that I know that pr um, print the correct version of the Hebrew and Greek Bible, but the fact is they still exist today. I mean, when Jesus said, uh, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law in Matthew 5.18, that is a promise that has been fulfilled and is still being fulfilled today because we have the original words in the original languages. He also said, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. But what does this have to do with missions? This is a missions podcast, right? If God hadn't given us his words, we would still be lost in our sin. If his words were not copied and preached throughout the world thousands of years ago, churches would not have been started and people would not have been saved. If it wasn't for copies like this being preserved and translated over the years, we would not have the Bible in our language, in English. This takes us to the second kind of Bible, the translated Bible. So the Holy Scriptures in the original languages were given to us, and the fact that they were preached and they were taught to millions and millions of people generations before uh, this generation came into existence, that is, of course, how missions started. I mean, you can't really 
uh, preach the gospel or teach all nations without the word of God. And so before the English Bible existed, people were using this Bible to accomplish the Great Commission. But this second kind of Bible, the translated Bible, the, the Holy Scriptures in the English language, as we call it, did not get here by mistake. Someone had to take the copies of the original documents and painstakingly convert them into English. And unfortunately, you know, there's no app to do this. There's no computer program or software. There are software programs that can assist us with this, but there's nothing that you can do to just type in, you know, typing in Hebrew and it automatically translates a perfect uh, translation in the sense and the syntax into uh, English. Uh, in order for the words of God to be converted to something that you and I as Americans or English speakers can understand, someone had to have devoted years of his life to this process. Did you know that the American church is the result of missions work? You are the result of missions work. You who are listening to this, you're a born-again believer, you asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, you are the result of missions work. And I want to pause here because going back to one of the original goals of this podcast is to make teenagers who are, who are kind of just going to church because it's what they do stop and think and realize, hey, I am, you are the result of missions work. So missions, again, isn't something that is just another program of the local church, you know, just kind of like the Sunday school ministry. It's really all-encompassing. It is the essence, the life of the local church. And so you are the result of someone at some point in the past coming to an unknown region, preaching the gospel, people got saved, formed the church congregation, then passed it down to future generations. You are the result of the Great Commission. So before you disregard missions as something that doesn't really have anything to do, to do with you, it does. You are the result of it. Someone had to say, hey, people who speak English, they need a Bible in their language. Let's give them one. People like John Wycliffe or William Tyndale, those who worked on the translation of the King James Bible, recognized the need for the Word of God in the English language. We are the recipient of the work of missions. Godly men devoted many long years of their life to this process, and it has continued today in other languages. Many people around the globe now have the words of God in a language that they can understand, but again, this does not happen by accident. Translation is still a process that takes years of service for the Lord to accomplish. Which brings us to the third category of Bible that we are discussing today, and that is the non-existent Bible. I have, I mentioned I have a Hebrew-Greek Bible. I also have something that's called a tribal Bible. And if you were to pick up this Bible and open it up, you would notice that it's filled with blank pages. This represents the Bible that is still waiting to be translated for people who have no Bible. This book uh, that I have with me here is produced by First Bible International. And I want to read an excerpt from the inside front cover entitled, When No Words Speak Volumes, because I think this is very important for us to grasp and understand. If this were your Bible, what hope would you have? No matter how many times you flip through its pages, you would never find comfort from your troubles help in times of need, nor answers to life's many questions. Not once would it speak of an almighty God, the creator of the world, the savior for all mankind, or the king of kings. Remaining hidden within the stark white pages would be the spring of living water, the bread of life, 
the gift sent from the Father, the great shepherd and the Lamb of God. At least for now, the words, seek and ye shall find, would not apply to you. From cover to cover, there would be no sound of warning for the horror that lies ahead, because its blank pages will only lead to darkness and its silence to eternal death. I think we take the Bible for granted in our culture sometimes. You've probably heard people say that before. You should be reading your Bible. You should be thankful because we really take it for granted that we have the words of God in our in our language. But we don't often grasp the gravity of that reality that there are still millions of people like this around the world that they want to know God. They want to know what the truth is, how to have a fulfilled life, how to find true peace and joy and happiness. But if someone is searching and they don't have the Bible in their language, it's simply not available to them. Are there really people like this around the world? Well, let me give you three examples. The Kamtanga tribe in Ethiopia, with 213,000 people, have no Bible in their language. In Okinawa, the Okinawan language, with 984,000 speakers, and the Pashto, with 10,780,000 people living in Afghanistan and Pakistan, are just three examples of people who have no Bible. There are 2,000 languages or more that have no Bible in them, but real people like you and me who have real struggles in life, the same kind of struggles, insecurities, fears, um, lack of peace, lack of stability, a spiritual darkness, have nowhere to turn because the words of God do not exist in their language. So this is part of the remaining task. For us, if it would be like someone, uh, if someone came along and handed us the Bible in the original languages, so back to the first example, my Hebrew and Greek Bible, someone walked up to me and handed it to me and say, okay, these are the words of God. Uh, you can find peace, fulfillment, salvation, joy, purpose in life. Take it, read it. And I took it and I looked at, I opened and I started flipping the pages, but it's in Hebrew and Greek and Aramaic. I don't know how to read that stuff. That's foreign to me. But it would be like that if someone came along and handed us one of those in the original languages. That's the case for millions of people around the world. We can't, they can't read it. The message would be hidden. And the message is still hidden for billions around the globe. These are the three categories of Bibles and how they relate to missions. They represent different stages of the Great Commission. The original languages um, testify of God's power of preservation and his fulfillment of his promise. That's how it started, and that's what was originally preached and taught. The English Bible and the Bibles that are translated into other languages around the world represent kind of the second stage of development in that people have faithfully translated God's word so that it will be available to more and more people. But there's still that third stage of development that needs to happen because there are still billions of people who simply don't have it. I hope that's thought-provoking. I hope it's sobering, and I hope it causes you to stop and think, how can I fix this? How can I be involved in the solution? When we come to missions and the remaining task, it often, I think, overwhelms us because as teenagers, as young adults, or whoever else, 
we feel like we can't really do anything about it. You know, it's really the only way that I can fix this to uh, surrender my life to the Lord and let him use me to translate a Bible or let me take the gospel to an unreached tribe. Well, that's definitely the best way to do it. Uh, I'm not going to lie. We need more people to do that. But again, you can step back and kind of look for different ways that you can be a part of the solution. It may be simply finding out who is working on these projects and praying for them because prayer changes things. It could be giving more to missions or giving specific amounts of money um, per month or per year to missionaries who are working on this translations or to organizations who are working on these projects. So I would challenge you as a teenager, find out how you can be part of the solution. Because the goals in life that God has given us have nothing to do with success in the world. That has nothing to do with how can I become more popular? How can I look better? How can I interact better? How can I connect with people better? How can I sell my stuff on whatever platform better? These should not be life-consuming elements. If anything, they should be contributions to the goals that God has given to us. And so they're not even me going to college, getting a job, and making lots of money or making a comfortable living for myself. I mean, I'm recording this podcast during the COVID-19 era, as I don't know what it's going to be called in the future, but we're going to look back and we're going to see how so many investments were misplaced. And while they might have been wise financial investments, millions of people now have lost money. Even if they made the right decisions in the past, they didn't see this coming. Uh, the lockdown kind of destroyed their, maybe destroyed their investments, destroyed their life savings. And so if you are pursuing these goals, you don't know how God is going to stop them in the future. This could be a wake-up call for many people to reinvest their life in something worth living in later. If you're a young person, just ask the Lord, do you want me to be a part of the remaining task of taking the gospel to all nations? Thank you for listening to this episode of Why a Missionary? Remember, if you are a born-again believer, you are a candidate for taking the gospel to the unreached regions of the world.